Welcome to episode five of All Things in the Name of Love. Today I have with me guest Kathleen Donnelly Israel. She's the author of the book, Wisdom on the Camino. She talks about her experiences on the Camino, her energy healing, her awarenesses of trauma as a pathway to unconditional love, and so much more. So please join me on this journey with Kathleen as we explore the Camino. Kathleen Israel, who among other things is the author of Wisdom of the Camino, and I can just tell that she's a beautiful soul, and uh, we connected a couple of weeks ago through email, and I'm just really looking forward to uh, having this conversation with you. So thank you so much for being with me, Kathleen. I so appreciate you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So right before I press record, we were talking um, not not necessarily the journey, because as um, I'll let her explain, the trip wasn't as... Um, enlightening as the post trip, but I do want you to share the trip and what came from it and how it, what inspired you to do it, excuse me, in the first place. Um, my, I was a caregiver for my husband, uh, for, he had Parkinson's from 2001 to 2018. And, uh, the last 10 years he was totally disabled. And so, um, I like, I had to come to grips with my future wasn't going to be what I thought. I thought Ron and I would be riding our bicycles across France or something in our old age. And um, that was not going to happen. And so while I was caring for him around 2013, my girlfriend went on the Camino and she shared it on Facebook. And I, even though she was walking with bloody feet and (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just recognized she was doing something very special for herself. And right at that time, I said, you know what, when Ron's done with his disease, I'm going to do that. Mm. And uh, Judy was still working, uh, so she couldn't do the whole thing. But uh, after Ron was dead, I didn't have anything to do. Um, So I, um, he died in August and... So I, um, by January, I had all the paperwork done and everything. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go, I better learn how to do this, you know? So, um, I had been walking like five miles, uh, three days a week. And that's kind of how I knew I could do it because I walked, um, down at the bay with my friend Severa and we, (laughs) we walked five miles and it didn't even make me sweat. And I thought, well, I can ride five miles before lunch and five miles after lunch, and I can do this. Yeah. And so 10 miles, five, 10 miles a day, 500 miles. So that's 50 days. And I just thought, I, I gave myself three months to do it, actually. Good. Good. Um, and I that's when I had my, my airfare home was three months. And... <laughs> So it actually took me 66 days, Okay. but I took every Sunday off Good. Uh, because I, I would get in on Sunday and I would just flop on the bed because I was so tired. And mm-hmm. then I would be like, oh yeah, mass, when's mass? And there, invariably I would miss it. 
And so I thought, gee, you're going on this holy pilgrimage and you're not even going to mass on Sunday. I don't yeah, think yeah. so. So, uh, <laughs> so that's why I decided I would go into a town on Saturday night and get a, you can only, I had to get a hotel to stay two nights. Okay. Um, so I get a hotel and I'd, um, you know, be a tourist on Sunday after mass. And then I would leave Monday morning. Nice. So it, it just turned out really good that I was doing that. And um, it just seemed like I would try and uh, schedule it so I would be in a big town on Sunday. And so there would be, you know, I could go look at the cathedral or whatever. Um, so let's see what else. I, um, I really enjoyed the trip. I... Um, Oh yeah, I took every I took Holy Week off too. So um that and it was like those Spanish people really know how to do Holy Week. My gosh. <laughs> they you know, they had drums, they had these guys with these conehead hats on, purple conehead hats and their face was covered and they were drumming and, and they were <laughs> they would just go through the whole town like we would these little towns, the the streets aren't very wide, and and I was with the, you know, procession, and and so we would like fill up the whole street, and people would come out on their balconies and watch and stuff, and um, I, you know, Holy Week was um, I um, I don't know, I I went in and I sat with the single old ladies, so I figured we were all the widows. And um, after a while, they would smile at me because they recognized me, you know, so that made me feel good. Yeah. Um, and um, they, um, I was there one night and all this drumming and uh, walking through the town. And then I was standing up by the cathedral and this man pointed down the street and like he, I was taking a video and he, he was pointing down the street. So I looked down the street and uh, from the right was coming Our Lady of Sorrows, this giant statue of the Blessed Mother in black. And oh. then on from the other direction was a statue of Jesus carrying his cross. Oh, wow. And and then when they saw each other, they stopped the drumming and then they went, dun, 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 dun. you know, it was just like so oh. dramatic. Wow. Like, ah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like, yeah. Um, so that was very exciting for me. Uh, and so I, while Ron was sick, I, I had a lot of trauma as a child. My, my, um, my life was traumatic when I was a child. And so, <clears throat> you know, I just kind of lived without all my life. And while Ron was sick, um, I had to be home. And so in the evening, I would go online and there was this guy, Darius Barazunda, and he had healers on his show mm -hmm. and I would listen to them. And if it, um, if it spoke to me, I would like buy their program mm -hmm. and I would do their program, listen to the sleep tapes, you know, do everything. And then after a while, that one would be less interesting. And, and I felt like God was sending me another teacher after that. Mm -hmm. And just all that 
for like eight years, I was studying mm-hmm. online, all these enlightened thought leaders. Oh wow! And I felt like I knew some stuff that I could share with people. I did a lot of healing, merely amazing Beautiful. healing during that time. So that's why I wanted to write the book. Yeah. And so, yeah, when I got home from the Camino, I was like, well, it's time to write the book. And so I I made the outline of all the things I wanted to talk about. And then I was just like, oh, you know, I didn't want to be teachy. I didn't really know how to be teachy. Mm -hmm. And so I remembered I told people on the Camino all those things. And so I I changed my um, so I just wrote on each, you know, on each of my teachings, I wrote who I told it to. Mm. And then I made a timeline of where I met them. And that's how I wrote the book. I wrote the book about walking the Camino and telling people my teachings. Beautiful. So, so that's what it is. (laughs) I love that. That's beautiful. I know, I know Darius, I I get his emails all the time. I haven't subscribed to any programs yet, but I, I love his energy. He's just such a beautiful soul. And I can't believe he's still doing it. I know (laughs) it's amazing. And, but, but, you know, it it shows me his commitment to helping people wake up. I know. And he was like, he really did that with me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love that. And what, what kind of, what kind of things do you like to talk about to, to help others wake up? Oh, um, well, one of one of the things that I learned was Ho'oponopono. Have you ever heard of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really um, healed so much from the Ho'oponopono. Uh, so it's, um, I love you. And it's a big, I love you. I love God. God loves me. God loves the other person. The other person loves God. And if you can say it, you say, I love them. And then uh, I'm I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. And it's not I'm sorry I did anything, but I'm sorry the situation exists between us. Mm-hmm. And please forgive me. And it's not forgive me I did something, but forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract that. Mm-hmm. So I have buttons that people can push inside of me. And it hurts me so deeply that I... I never want to see them again. I I mean, I hate them, you know? (laughs) And um, so please forgive me for what's going on in me that caused me to attract this. Mm -hmm. And then uh, thank you. uh, Thank you for showing me this so I could heal. So if I didn't have that pain in my heart, I wouldn't know about it, number one, and I couldn't heal it. So Thank you for showing me this so I could heal. Mm. And then the big, I love you again. I love God. God loves me. God loves the other person. The other person loves God. And probably by then you can say, I love them Mm -hmm. and they love me. Um, So I was in, uh, I was on vacation with Ron, my husband, and we were in Maryland, actually. Um, And one night we were, I was laying in bed and, and the my monkey mind just kept bringing up really awful things to think about. And, and you know, how, the way people hurt me and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought, oh, I'll do the Ho'oponopono on this. So I was doing the Ho'oponopono every time I thought of something like that. And I was starting to feel shame. And I was like, 
oh, I must be doing it wrong because it's not about shame at all. Right, right. And so um, I, I, I changed it up a bit. Okay. And <laughs> so when I said, um, please forgive me, then I said, I forgive me. And I said, I forgive it up. And I felt like the first time I did that, I felt a giant refrigerator sized pain come out of my heart and go up to God. Wow. And I was like, whoa, that was, that was wonderful. Yeah. And, um, so my monkey mind didn't give up. <laughs> so all <laughs> night long, I kept thinking of stuff and mm -hmm. I do the, I call it my extended Ho'oponopono. And uh, so I just did the extended Ho'oponopono and I just kept having all this stuff come out of my heart. And also I asked the angels to help like untie it or mm -hmm. uh, pull it out to the, um, to the beginning of my being, or, you know, I'm just trying yeah. to think of how to get it out. If it mm -hmm. felt like it was stuck, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and um so anyway, by morning, I had not slept all night, but I felt so clear. Yeah. And I just um, have been doing that ever since. Mm -hmm. And um, the whole Ho'oponopono is just a, like a, it's like a miracle because mm -hmm. you don't need to do it with the other person right. and it looses our binds to them, the ones who hurt us so deeply, mm -hmm. looses the binds. So we don't, we aren't. They're not bound to us. Like maybe they signed up to ruin our life <laughs> when they came in. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. And uh, so it just uh, loosens that bind that yeah. we have with those people. Yeah. I so that, that really helped me. I did um, uh, Vishen. Oh, um, you did? Yeah, I'm doing that now. Yeah, I did um, the Silver oh, Method. No, I Yes. And the I method. loved it. I loved it. It was right after my dad died in 2010. And I just, he, um, he shot his soul shot across the universe. Mm. Um, cause he was paralyzed for three months. And so, um, that happened and I'm like, okay, I don't know a single thing anymore. And somehow he had a meditation back then that was a seven part thing. And one of them was forgiveness. And I listened to that on and off for like six years, like pretty much on instead of on and off. But it was like every day I'd like be healing and healing and healing and healing. Mm -hmm. And then I came across the Silva method and I was like, oh, I like this. And and then I started receiving um, body talk sessions. And so it's like it's energy healing. It's all energy healing. Like how do we heal ourselves from our, for our, our physical, emotional, mental and spiritual bodies um, because we're divine beings and to like, get rid of everything that keeps us from remembering that is, is quite a, quite a process, but really rewarding. I, um, I, I found that, um, okay. So after I did that Ho'oponopono for a mm -hmm. long time, I mm -hmm. met this lady that I used to know, um, we teach breathing together cool. and, um, she said to me, she said, Kathleen, you don't have all those spirits hanging around you anymore. And oh, oh. so I think what I think is because I, I had that troubled childhood that I was just a sad person all my life. Mm -hmm. And I was attracting free floating sad spirits and they were just attaching themselves to me so they could feel their sadness through me. Wow. 
and um and so doing that ho'oponopono released them away from me I got rid of that was part of what I got rid of that's beautiful I know I'm so happy (laughs) (laughs) well that's such a fun thing because because we weren't taught about non-physical energy right so for for your friend to be like oh you don't have that like I mean you could feel it yeah, I I don't see spirits, but she obviously did. Right, but and you felt it. Yeah, I yeah, I was sad, but I mean I was sad from my from my birth. I was sad. Right. right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um anyway, I remember when I was a teenager, my mother said, "Well, no wonder you never have any friends. You never smile." But um yeah, I was a sad person cuz yeah, they Anyway, my dad was a You're sensitive alcoholic, um, rageaholic child molester. Mm-hmm. So I had some stuff. Yeah, know? yeah. And and I can tell you're an empath. So like being a sensitive person, like that, it it hurts even more. Because as you unwind the traumas, like I I I didn't have the traumas my mom had, but because I was so sensitive, I actually got affected by them. Oh yeah. So right. Like I I didn't have no like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> this is funny. My mom had a traumatic experience with Brussels sprouts where she didn't want to eat them, and her uncle wouldn't let her get away from the table until she ate them. So she had them cold with the hardened butter. The way she described it to me, I didn't eat Brussels sprouts until I was forty. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm so traumatized <laughs> by her story. I'm like, why would I eat those things? That's so awful. And then oh. I finally had one and I was like, why did I not eat Brussels sprouts? <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's, you know, when you're sensitive, sometimes that happens. You take on the energy of, of your parents and your ancestors um, because you signed up to clear it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I believe that I was a low vibrational spirit out in the universe with God. And I heard that if you come into the earth, you can raise your vibration Mm. uh, with unconditional love. And so I decided even knowing because I had a low vibration, I was going to attract a really horrible life. Mm -hmm. um, I I decided to come in anyway Mm -hmm. so I could raise my vibration um, cause I wanted to be close to God and God has a very high vibration. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> that's what I did. And, um, the thing about having a troubled life is you can't really do unconditional love unless you have adversity because mm-hmm. it's easy to love the people who love you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the, the trauma was the cure actually. And, um, now I don't feel like I need to forgive anybody anymore. I mean, I think forgiveness is really important, Mm -hmm. obviously. Uh, but I just realized that I attracted it all, Mm -hmm. not in a shame way, but in a, in a, let's not be a victim way. I mean, what really happened was I attracted all that stuff from all people. Oh, I, I I know I did. I know I did. I, I attracted so many. Um, my big thing was codependency. Mm. Parents were, and I'm sure many, many ancestors were. And to find the the many, many layers of that to 
heal within because it's just you know the onion layers and it's like oh 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 okay and getting to the space where i can see the tendencies now but i don't participate in them anymore because i know what they are because that was something i signed up to heal for, mm. for me and for my ancestors and it's like okay these are really interesting patterns that i see and you know those buttons that you say i've had lots of people press my buttons and what I've done because I'm, I've done somatic healing. Um, I can start crying when I feel the button getting pressed. And then I thank the person <laughs> that pressed the button. Oh, how sweet. It. And, and, but you know, sometimes I just can't like leave. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be crying right now while I'm processing <laughs> this, but thank you so much for showing this because I couldn't have seen it. I'm sobbing, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but you know, it is for our healing. Mm -hmm. All of those triggers, all of those buttons are for us to see so we can heal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing I tell people is don't worry. Yeah. Because worry is like making up a sad story mm -hmm. and believing in it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's almost like you're cursing the people you're worried about because mm -hmm. you're sending bad vibrations to them. I like that. And uh, so um, you need to make up a good story. I mean, mm -hmm. I know that because we're traumatized, we are looking out for anything that could be traumatic for us. So, you know, we're um, we're tracking for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it you need it. It needs needs a retraining, really, mm -hmm. uh, because um, like if if you're worried about somebody, uh, you're not helping them out. Right. And you could make up, it's just a make it up story because there's endless possibilities of what could happen. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to make up a good story and yes. put a good spin on it for them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like a blessing. Mm -hmm. Whenever I feel like I'm getting attached to somebody's, um, whatever they're going through, I stop myself and I pray for the highest unfolding for them because then it detaches me from having to worry. And then I know that my intention is for them to have whatever the highest unfolding is for them. And then I don't have to um, get into that frame of mind where I'm concerned or worried about them. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I like, I don't need to worry about my friends. We're all adults and, and, but, you know, if I know there's something going on, like one of my friends had car problems today, I just prayed for the highest unfolding for the car. I don't know what that is, but I don't right. need to. I just know that I put that out there as the intention. And so hopefully, well, hopefully that will happen. Whatever the need, whatever the car needs is for the highest unfolding. And then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's 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 really interesting how how vibrations work. Yeah, we send out vibrations and um and the vibration that we send out brings in vibrations mm -hmm. from other, you know, other places. Um one thing about um like being sad is that um, like I say, those um, free-floating sad spirits are attracted to you and they they hook on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the reason why one of the reasons why people didn't like me is because uh, their spirit <laughs> saw my spirit covered with all these, you know, awful spirits, and they were like, "Get me out of here!" Like, I don't, <laughs> although you know, we don't know what's going on, right. but our spirits do, mm-hmm. you know. They do. And and I didn't know what was going on. I you know what I I wish I had learned this. I was in my sixties when I figured it out that yeah. I, I didn't have to be a victim. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a victim. I brought it in. Right. All of it. Right. Yeah. It it would be great if we could teach teach younger ones this awareness. <laughs> Cause it so, was Yeah, I, I but you know, the unconditional love thing, mm-hmm. it's more sweet when you yeah. can you know have the adversity to love through mm-hmm. oh yeah to love someone that's been antagonistic to you because you brought it in is it's amazing how transformational that can be yeah we don't um yeah it's i'm just really happy not to be a victim anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and such that's uh, an important shift when I get out, <clears throat> when I um, am out somewhere and like something crazy happens, um, then I just, um, you know, maybe it was my fault. And I used to just be, oh, no, you know, I I detained somebody or I, you know, I, um, I gave the wrong impression or whatever it is. Um, so nowadays what, what I do is, I uh, congratulate myself for being out there because if you're out there, then things like that can happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I honor my valiant spirit that was willing to come here and experience all this stuff so I could raise my vibration. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that because having that shift is, I, I think our culture, um, I won't say it encourages, but there's a lot of victimhood in our culture. And And, yeah, and we um, feel sorry for people who have had, you know, I mean, it, it, um, I mean, I used to tell my sad story all the time. I mean, it just on the tip of my tongue all the time. And uh, I remember one of my friends told me, why don't you make up a good story? And I was just like, well, that wouldn't be true, you know? And I didn't realize what I was doing to myself. Uh, yeah. I was I was making it worse for myself. Yep. Because you're living in that, you're reliving it. So your neuro yeah. is just like, oh, this is just who this is who we are. And that's what you're sending out into the universe. Yeah. And, you know, we're not even conscious of that. But it's just like what's going on with our vibration that, that it attracts or detracts different things. Um, and that's because we came in with all these programs from our families. And, you know, I know when the biology of belief by Bruce Lipton, he talks about like six or seven generations back that we're carrying forth within us. And it's our conscious choice to change those patterns that are going to change our neural pathways into a different frequency. Cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I love it, and 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 the fact that 
there's so many different tools and, and teachers out there to help us remember that, that sovereignty that we're all getting to. Like, you know, you're not a victim. I know I'm not a victim. Do I have right. programs in me that show me that like, I think there's something in there that I should believe is true? Oh yeah, because I'm still in a body. <laughs> but mm -hmm. but I I actually ask people to to tell me when they see something about me that I can't see because I can't see everything. Yeah, we have our blind spots. Oh yeah, so many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know, that's that's the gift is that I I'm vulnerable enough to ask that and not be in a victim mode. Like I, I'm just aware of it. It's like, oh yeah, I've got stuff I can't see. Um, help me if you can. If you see something that doesn't feel like I'm like being authentic that I can't see. And right, I know you're. Are, my children really reflect that to me. <laughs> <laughs> they point out all my blind spot. Well, they tell me things, and I'm like, really? I never thought that but they got it from me somehow, you know? Right. Right. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all beautiful because then you can start seeing it and then you can make the changes. Like I have, um, I, my beautiful, beautiful body. I love you very much. Body um, has aches. My aches are actually just subconscious programs that I'm not aware of yet. Mm. And so as I unwind them, my body feels better. How do you do that? How do you find out what it is? I don't ask. <laughs> like <laughs> I used to, I used to hound myself and be like, okay, what is this? What's going on? Where, where is it? Why did this start? Like that, those kind of questions. Now I just like, it usually happens like, anywhere between one and four in the morning where I'll be woken up with a feeling in my body and I'm just present to it. I just feel it. I, cause like I'm too sleepy to think. Mm. And that's when my body knows it's time for me to be present. And if I feel my mind coming in, I'll just start breathing mm -hmm. and I'll just be breathing and present to like this morning something i don't know if i was awake or asleep but i felt some deep sadness in my heart that i'd never felt before and i was just i was either sleeping or awake i was breathing in and breathing out and i was just present to the sensation in my body until it went away you know louise hay has a book and she has like a list of all the things that could possibly hurt on you yep yep and um and then you can go in there and I mean, I use it for my clients when I teach breathing, trans mm -hmm. transformational breathing. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, and so I don't really con um, concentrate on what is causing it, but I um, I concentrate on the affirmation mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. make it go away. Yeah. So well, Louise um, Hayes stuff is very powerful. Yeah. Very powerful because it's, it's helping us recondition our minds into thinking different ways. So I want to talk about your transformational breathing. Yeah, I um, went back in 1999 when I was 50 years old. 
um, I, uh, well, I always, in my childhood, I always had bronchitis or pneumonia twice a year, every year at Christmas and my birthday. So December and May, I used to get bronchitis or pneumonia. And so um, I was still getting it when my, you know, I had kids. I mean, my fourth, when my fourth baby was in the oven, um, I I got it again. And uh, so my doctor took pity on me and signed me up for this breathing class with, uh, it was um, biofeedback and breathing. Okay. And I cured myself and I never got sick again after that. And that. so I belonged to this uh, belonged to this uh, networking group. I was a graphic designer, mm-hmm. and um, one of a, one of the ladies was talking about breathing, and I'm like, breathing, breathing, me, me, you know. And so I went and I learned about it, and um, you know, they had an information night, and so I I went to that, and I thought I need to do this. And so um, I went home and I asked my husband, I said, you know, I know this is going to be a growing experience for me and I don't want to grow past you. So will you do this with me? Mm. And he did. He So we were both uh, learned how to be transformational breathing facilitators. And um, that was right before he got Parkinson's disease, actually. Uh, he got it in 2001. So that was 1999. Oh, but um, so um, just I've been doing transformational breathing with people ever since. And even during COVID, I did it in the backyard under my orange tree, um, you know, so that, you know, there would be <laughs> so I, we, I wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't expose each other or whatever. But um, I love that. So it's really important to do the breathing. Uh, we we store emotional trauma in our body on a cellular level in certain areas of our body. And, and so when I, I do a breath analysis on my client first, and um, so I can see where they have restricted breathing patterns. So maybe if they're not breathing in their belly, they had somebody shut down their free will. Mm. And, or maybe some people don't breathe in their chest area and so that means that they had a broken heart at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you say, they could be bringing it from the ancestors. Yeah. Um, so just there, I have a body map and I use Louise Hay uh, affirmations extensively in that. Um, so I um, like if I if I'm um, poking around on somebody's ribs and uh, there's a fear belt. And so it's mm. like, if you're afraid of this, it's here. You're afraid of that, you know, and it, it's cool. amazing how it works. And so I can uh, help people move past things. That's right. There was one of my clients said that her ankle hurt and she used to be a dancer. She couldn't dance anymore. Oh. And um, so I was like ankle hurt. And it was like something like, um, I'll never forgive this one person this, you know, and, and so I kept, I kept, you know, working on the ankle and, and uh, saying, I forgive, you know, my child, I forgive my, I didn't know who it was. Right. And maybe she didn't either at the time. Uh, So I just kept saying different people I could possibly be. And then she just sat up 
all of a sudden she sat up and she said, I just forgave my aunt. I I swore I would never forgive her. She was so mean to my mother and I just forgave her. And um, that was, you know, every once in a while, you just have a powerful experience with it. I love that. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I teach transformational breathing. Uh, Judith, Dr. Judith Kravitz uh, is the, is uh, our guru, or I guess I should say. <laughs> and um, so um, I, I was thinking I should tell you about the Camino because yeah. uh, uh, the Camino, uh, the Camino is uh, like way back in like the 900s to the 1200s, the uh, the Christians were trying to ke- get the Moors out of Spain mm-hmm. and um, St. James, who actually the apostle of Jesus, St. James mm-hmm. actually um, like in the year 34 or something like that, went to Spain to, to tell people about Jesus mm-hmm. and he wasn't successful. Uh, so he went back to Jerusalem and they martyred him. Oh wow! And then um, some angels, they say angels brought him back to um, Spain. I don't know, people with the help of angels. I don't know. But anyway, so he was buried in Spain. Oh, wow. Um, so when they were trying to get the Moors out of Spain, St. James appeared and helped them get the Moors out of Spain. Wow. And so everybody really liked St. James after that. Mm-hmm. And and so they found his grave, and then people just started doing pilgrimages to the uh, grave of St. James. Oh, wow. That was in the, like, 1200s. Um, and so just they used the Roman roads, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like, in the 1970s, uh, somebody thought, well, gee, we should we should resurrect the Camino again. And they found that the Roman roads were still there. And so it's basically on the Roman roads. Every once in a while, a freeway crosses it. So they'll have an underpass. And okay. actually I, I walked on the freeway a couple of times um, <laughs> with the cars going whizzing by. And I was like, <laughs> but uh, um, so what, um, so anyway, that's what it is. And uh, the French way uh, you start out in France and you walk 500 miles across northern Spain into uh, Santiago, oh, wow. um, which is St. James. Is uh, they built they built a cathedral around his grave. And so you go to the cathedral is the end of, of the Camino. Did you go from France or Spain? Yeah, I started in France oh. and I walked across. Well, I. Actually, you're supposed to walk across the Pyrenees first, oh, okay. uh, but uh, there was snow on the Pyrenees, so it was against the law to go over there. So, <laughs> yeah, so I had to walk around. Okay. Um, but walking around, the hills went like this. It was like uphill, downhill, wow. uphill, downhill. So I um, there was a freeway at the bottom of the hill, but I didn't know if I took the freeway, if I would find where you know the Camino again I didn't know so anyway I just kept going up the hill and down and there was the freeway <laughs> and up the hill and down so um but it was so beautiful uh that especially at that point um the hills were just so close to each other 
and I was walking on this trail in the in the hills and um there like it was really steep and there was like um sheep grazing on the hill the steep hill I mean they were eating grass yeah and uh yeah, and their little bells tinkling, and you just look around, and everything's green. Like the trees above you are green, the hillsides are green around you, and below you it's green. And it was just such a a lovely experience to be there. That's and uh, go ahead. <laughs> no, this is beautiful. Like I've I've been curious about it. Um, I didn't know what shape I'd have to be in to do it and the good a good time of year to go so yeah I would I would not go in summer because it's hot and I don't like hot, it to be hot uh when I I went in April like I started April 5th I think okay. um and I uh so I went there I went to Paris first and I was a tourist for a week so I wouldn't have jet lag good and then you. I flew over to Baritz uh, in in France, and I took a train to um, Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port. Okay. I stayed there a night, and um, I was ready to go in the morning. I'd been fooling around in Paris for so long. <laughs> um, the funny thing is, when I started, you follow these yellow arrows. They have yellow arrows. Oh, cool. And Yeah, and so that not the you know the day before when i went and got um i got my um i got you know you get a little book and they so they can stamp your everywhere you go they make a stamp in your book so that you can they can tell that you are a pilgrim because they have albergues and you stay in the albergues at night but they're only for the pilgrims okay so uh so anyway uh you have your you have your book and it shows them that you've been staying in Albergues all along, all oh. the way from, and it shows them where, where you started and everything. Oh, wow. Um, so, um, but they told us don't go to over Orasan. So I, uh, they said, take this road to the right. Mm -hmm. Well, all the arrows pointed to Orasan because that's where you're supposed to go in the first right. place. And right. there wasn't any arrow pointing the other way. <laughs> and so I walked, I walked four miles extra out into the hills. And then I got out to the hills and I saw the sign for Orasan. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed the turnoff. Oh, geez. And I asked this guy in his yard and he goes, well, you could walk across the fields like it. It was like way in the heck over there. Like you couldn't even see where you were going to go to. <laughs> and I thought, no, I think I need to go back to find the turn off and go that way. So I actually added eight. I think it was eight kilometers onto my wow. first day wow. of walking because I I, I took the wrong turn <laughs> or I didn't take the right turn. I guess I, oh, wow. anyway, so then when I got back to, I they had a little picture of a drawing of where you were supposed to turn. And so I was like looking around and I'm like, oh, okay, this looks kind of like it. And I was like, wasn't really sure which way to go. And uh, I saw these other people walking and I thought, well, I hope they know where they're going. And I followed them uh -huh. <laughs> and I found a yellow arrow. So I was oh, very good. happy. 
good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what you do. You just, you see a yellow arrow and go the way it points you. And then you see another arrow and it'll point you in the right direction. Cool. The, the problem is if you miss an arrow, then you, you're cooked, you know. <laughs> but the albergues are, um, they're like a, a building and they got bunk beds and maybe a kitchen. Okay. Uh, so you can cook your own food. Nice. If there's a grocery store in town, they have a kitchen so you can cook your own food. If nice. uh, sometimes they have restaurants in town and so they'll tell you where you can go to get a pilgrim meal. Okay. And it's like uh, 11 or 12 euros for a pilgrim meal. Okay, cool. And then uh, sometimes there's no restaurant and no store in town and then they provide the food. Oh, okay. So, Every time they provided the food, I said yes. Okay. Um, so I didn't have to cook and I did, didn't have to go to a restaurant. I didn't know that. So like, how far are these paced for you? Like each stop? Yeah, they have a lot. And so you don't like um, each town, like I, I got a book and each page, uh, well, they have a a little map about how high you're going to be walking that day. Okay. And so I would see, okay, well, there's, there's a, there's a mountain. Maybe I'll only be able to walk 10 kilometers today, or if it's flat, maybe I can walk 15 kilometers, you know? Okay. So okay. I would have to, and then I would just kind of think about, okay, well, I just kind of guess. Yeah. And then I would call, um, I would find a place that was however far I could go. And I would call them the night before and, and I would say, <clears throat> uh, necesito una cama para, uh, para, um, I, I, I would say esta noche if it, if I did it in the morning, but I think it was not la noche de mañana or something like that. And, and then, you know, sometimes they would laugh at me and start speaking in English to, <laughs> to me. <laughs> A lot of people spoke English. But... That's cool. One time I uh, I wasn't going to get in till late because I had a long way to walk that day. And so I called the guy and I said, uh, can I have a bed for tonight? He was book English. And and he said, yes. And I and I said, and I need a lower bunk. I, I don't want a higher bunk. And he goes, he said, well, that's kind of a lot to ask for. <laughs> and and I said, I'm I'm 72 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and he'd, and he'd be okay. And when I got there, he had saved me a lower bunk. So that was really nice. But <laughs> I, I wasn't okay with, cause, um, you know, old ladies have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night and I could just see me in the dark trying to climb down the, end I of the, bunk to the bathroom bed. in the middle of the night. I've been doing that for decades. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. So anyway, so I, I got, I always got a lower bunk, cool. except for one time, the lower bunk, the higher bunk was so low, I couldn't even sit up. Oh, wow. So that night I got up on the higher bunk because it was very uncomfortable to be in that lower bunk <laughs> anyway, but it was, it was really great. And, <clears throat> you know, you meet people along the way and, and you just talk to them and Usually people will say, why did you come? Mm -hmm. 
And so that's how you would start the conversations. And then, uh, and then that's how I was able to like help people with my wisdom that I learned, you know, uh, while I was taking care of my husband being online, uh, doing my own healing. Yeah. And so I would share stuff with them, uh, different people. I love that. What was your most interesting encounter? Oh, there were so many. Um, <laughs> um, one thing that was really interesting was I was walking out in the, you know, it seemed like the middle of nowhere and it wasn't hilly. It was just flat and it wasn't all lush and green like so many places are. It was just kind of arid. Mm-hmm. I was walking and I saw way off in the distance uh, this um castle i guess it, it it was it had spires and stuff like that and when i got closer i realized it was a convent oh cool. and I, yeah and and it had arches and spires and and then some of the walls weren't there so you knew it was a ruins mm-hmm. and um so i i i walked in there under one of the arches and i heard irish fairy music and I love Irish fairy music. Oh. And uh, so I walked in and there over under one of the arches was this uh, Filipino guy with a kilt on and a white t-shirt. And um, he was making egg salad sandwiches and putting them in little bags so he could sell them, I guess. And he had he had a coffee pot with coffee brewing and so I, I mean, one of my problems was you got to find a restroom, right? Mm-hmm. Or else pee in the bushes. Right. And so, um, so I said, you got a restroom and he pointed over to a, a trailer. They had a restroom in the trailer. So I went in there and, um, you know, the door didn't really close very well, but <laughs> I was just really glad that I wasn't in the bushes. Right. And uh, when I came out, I, I got a um, cup of coffee from him and then I just walked on but it was just like what did I just see this is so amazing yeah um and then uh the Knights Templar uh they protected the pilgrims back in the 1200s and all the years and and they're still there really and yeah and so every it's like a they have a a red cross made out of daggers and that's how you can tell it's the knights templar Mm -hmm. and so every time i saw one of those um crosses made out of daggers i thought "Ooh, the knights templar are here somewhere protecting me (laughs) so that made me feel good um I went into this building uh, that same day after I saw that um, ruins. Mm-hmm. I went into this building and this lady was serving coffee to everybody. Okay. And so it was a little teeny weeny cup and she was just serving them to everybody, little plastic cup. And so I drank my coffee and then uh, she ran out of coffee. And uh, so she... <laughs> So she went outside. There was a trailer with electricity. The building I was in didn't have electricity. So she went out to this trailer where they had electricity and made some more coffee. But then she came in and she was like washing the little cups without soap. 
in the drinking fountain. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> but anyway, she was just loving everybody by giving everybody coffee. I love that. Unsanitary cups. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't I I I did get sick a couple of times on the Camino. Okay. I was in this one albergue and this young man from he was from Pol uh yeah, Poland. And he came to me. I guess I reminded him of his grandmother or something. He came to me and he said, uh, my bones hurt and I don't feel good. And I just like took a step back and I'm like, oh man, I don't want to get sick. <laughs> and um, so I said, uh, here's a bouillon cube. You could make yourself some chicken soup. And he said, oh, that's a great idea. I have a bouillon. I don't need to use yours. And so, um, so anyway, the next morning, Everybody had to be out by eight o'clock, but he didn't, he didn't go out. He was in his bed. And so when I left, uh, I told the, uh, the hospitalario, that's what you call the people that take care of the, the albergues. So I told the hospitalario uh, that he was sick and yeah. he is so, I mean, they take care of you. They oh. tell you, you can't stay more than one night. But if you're sick, you know, they're, they're going to do something. I don't yeah, know, yeah. up to another room or something. So, but, um, so a week later I, I did, I got sick and, um, I was in, it was really great. Um, I was in this place and so I rented a room, mm -hmm. some of the albergues, they have the floor that has all the bunk beds and then other floors, they have rooms that you can, oh, okay. And I knew I was getting sick. So I thought, I think I need to get a room, you know, mm -hmm. but every day, twice a day, they would have, uh, I, maybe it was three times a day, they would have the meals. And um, it seemed to me like everybody at, it was cafeteria style, everybody at the meal was just kind of being away from each other. So okay. I thought, I think I'm not the only one that's sick here. Okay, I think okay everybody's getting there's something going around the Camino right, right now right, right. <laughs> so oh so that was Mother's Day and uh so um <laughs> do you want me to I mean I mean I I know it's like an hour already <laughs> I well I mean I um I'm appreciating the the conversation and um I'm getting hungry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. So I, I wanted to tell people about something in my book. Yeah, please do. And so I have a gift for my readers. Uh, when you get my book, look on the page across from the table of contents and it says, read this first. Okay. And uh, you can go, you have to double opt in. I'm really sorry. Um, but you can you can see my pictures. So I I made portfolios and uh, galleries, and I put my pictures like per chapter. You can see the pictures from that chapter. Oh, and awesome! Then there's chapter two. You can see the pictures from that chapter. Nice. Cause, cause um. So anyway, that's my gift. <laughs> and yeah. I want to ask one question. One more question. Mm -hmm. Um, how can people find you? Oh, um wisdomonthecamino.com wisdomonthecamino.com and um, I'm Kathleen at wisdomonthecamino.com the book is on Amazon 
Uh, it's actually Wisdom on the Camino, a spiritual journey, sharing forgiveness and possibilities to inspire the rest of your life. And I really do believe that, that I, I shared um, the wisdom I got while I was caring for Ron. Beautiful. Hmm? Kathleen, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your sharing. And I so appreciate you. Well, thank you. I, I appreciated you too. <laughs> thank you very much. So much. <laughs> Truth and preservation of our soul shine. I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. And let it flow.